Welcome to another episode of Your Inner Nerd. I am your host, Skylar, also known as Ben. Today I have Keiston, or as some of you know him, Stang Daddy. And we have um, a special guest today. We have Glenn Walker. He is the author of The Red Zone Murders. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Hello. Going good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, we're really excited to have you. Um, do you want to give us a little background story give us some information on you absolutely so the red zone murders it's, it's like a like a film noir detective story from the 1940s it centers around a uh, veteran uh turned private eye joe maxwell he uh you know returns from doing his duty in world war ii he now works for a professional football club and uh roundabout what happens is one of his buddies from the war ends up being murdered and joe is thrown into this mix of dealing with undercover russian agents uh, a possible nazi war criminal on the loose in america a presidential election and an enemy from his past that he had thought had been dealt with so and to, to try to find out uh and solve the murder of, of his friend uh from from who served with him in the army. So, and, and it's also a mix of football. One of my favorite sports, there's a football season that takes place. So week by week, you're, you're as, as Joe is tracking down clues, you're also keeping up with the doings of the American football association and, and what's happening in the, the, uh, the week by week games there. That's wow. very impressive. That's it, honestly just hearing the description it's got it's 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 it just piques my interest i really want to know like well what is this war criminal like what what is this you know <laughs> and and how does how does this football play in in such a big way because i've never seen that done before and it sounds really exciting absolutely and um i um you know loved watching football as, as, you know as, as a youngster uh on tv with my dad and then uh you know with the advent of computer games uh, I'm a big fan. I'll give, I'll give them a plug here of action PC sports. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they are a company that provide, uh, I guess you would call management type games uh, where you can, you know, there, there are some of us that either you like to replay a season, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. We're having great success. Now we've won the Super Bowl, but when they first started in 1976, they were 0 and 14. You mm -hmm. know, so would you want to take on the, you know, Herculean task of trying to see if you can eke out a win or vice versa, the Miami Dolphins in 1972. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could they go, could you take them undefeated? And then mm -hmm. there are people like me who are the what ifs, uh, taking a defunct league or create my own teams and go fantasy style, uh, have real life players on fictional teams. Uh, this was something I read about Jack Kerouac did with, with baseball. He would create these fantasy teams and he would write up these huge recaps of uh, the play-by-play. -play. So this is something I, I've been doing on and off for 30 years. Uh, and it's just kind of also mixing a love of uh, detective movies, uh, Humphrey Bogart and Maltese Falcon, Raymond Chandler stories, uh, you know, Lady in the Lake and things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's very interesting. You know, uh, I, I I dabbled in a, a fantasy football myself for mm-hmm. a little bit back in 2014. Uh, I couldn't get behind it too much just because the group I was playing with were a bunch of bad eggs and they kind of spoiled <laughs> the fun. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot more fun whenever, uh, you know, you have good sportsmanship and not no sore losers but it's it it definitely was fun i enjoyed creating my teams and choosing my rosters and stuff uh mm-hmm. and i think uh i was actually playing with my dad and he won uh he won the pot or whatever oh that's 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 great yeah yeah, yeah the 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 fantasy type of it is you know you, you get to own the teams you, you're kind of be the league commissioner you get to run the how, how many games you're going to run? How do you want to do the playoffs? You get to do the whole, the whole works. Yeah. And amazingly enough, uh, fantasy football has become such a a big part of that that type of gaming, right? Like it's, yeah. it's huge now. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, so I wanted to get to my first question since we're kind of on the topic. Uh, what sparked your love for football? Because, uh, you know, it's a big aspect in your book and you seem very excited to talk about it here. But was there just something that led you into that or did you just kind of pick it up with your father as you went along? I think you said you played it with your father. Yeah, that, you know, my dad, you know, I picked up you know, with my dad and, and there would be, you know, learning the game from him. Uh, and then, of course, Monday Night Football. He would let, you know, I was a kid at that time. He'd say, okay, you can stay up and watch the first quarter. Then you got to go to bed. <laughs> and then he would yeah, tell yeah. me the next morning, okay, this is what happened, who won and, and things like that. And then get a little older. Okay. Well, you could stay up, watch the halftime highlights. Then you got to go to bed. And then yeah, uh, one of the, one of the best Christmas gifts I ever got, I think was in 1977. I got this black and white TV. First thing I watched on it was a, uh, a playoff game between the ball, the old Baltimore Colts and the uh, now the old Oakland Raiders, and it actually mm-hmm. went to two overtimes uh, before they were able to settle the game. But I was just starting to, you know, the way the the announcer Kurt Gowdy would announce the game and explain the game. I said, "Oh, okay, they're gonna. They think they're gonna pass. This is the reason why they think they're gonna pass on this down. The strategy, and you know, starting to get into that, and also." Uh, as a kid getting electric football yeah <laughs> you're getting the, the little guys that move around on the the metal fields and you, yep. you, know, you collect them you can paint them um you know different colors start a league you know I, it was around late 70s i started my own league you know, had 16 you know, had six or eight teams had my own print you know, wrote down my own schedule kept my own statistics and things like that <laughs> and just uh to where now you know i kind of do it keep it on a computer you know i still play like a like a fictional league with real players but you know the computer keeps all the stats and everything so i don't have to do that yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing how uh how, how far that's come from when the way you were explaining it first you yeah know? yeah it's probably easier right like you, you don't have to worry about oh, yeah. taking care of all the stats yourself and it's like yes the computer will do it all <laughs> yeah you don't have to figure out passer rating which is <laughs> Someone like me who's a little bit mathematically challenged, passer rating is like akin to trigonometry. It's difficult <laughs> <it's laughs> to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the, the computer really enhances that. And I hope, uh, mm-hmm. I hope for you, uh, I hope it makes it more enjoyable, you know, as it's come along. Oh, it has. It has. And then, you know, they factor, you know, with, with what action PC and other, other groups like, like Stratomatic and APA, 
and, and other companies do, you know, they factor in real life performance, you know, player gets injured, you know, that's factored in too, you know, mm-hmm. you know, player only played like four, four games, like say Matthew Stafford, quarterback for the Lions, he only played a couple of games, you know, that's going to factor in, in ratings and, and, and how, how his season will go. Uh, or you might have somebody who had a really great year one year, and then as a running back gets older, you know, things, health begins to decline, you know, they don't get thousand yards, you know, every year. So, yep. yeah, yeah. It looks like it factors in very strategically and almost precisely based off what you're telling me. It sounds oh, yeah. highly accurate. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. It's, it's really impressive, you know, cause I, I haven't used one of these in forever and to see how far it's come and, you know, based off what you're telling me, it just sounds like there's so much that goes on behind the computer there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so maybe we can switch focus a little bit. Uh, there's a little story about, uh, Star Wars, I believe, uh, oh, when, yeah. you were, when you were younger, uh, would you like to describe, uh, the influence of Star Wars real quick? Yeah. It seems like I'm talking a lot about my dad. You know, we got father's day coming up here, uh-huh. yeah. uh, you know, a couple of weeks, but, uh, back in the summer of 1977, at the time my, my parents were separated, but they, you know, they do end up getting back together, but they were, they were separated at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was the week, it's the Sunday my dad has custody of me and my brothers. So, uh, okay, what do you guys want to do today? And mm-hmm. the three of us just automatically say, we want to see Star Wars. We want to see Star Wars. <laughs> it had just come out, I guess, that Friday or something. So yeah. he took us in to see it. And I, I'm 10 years old, and I'm just, oh, just blown away. You know, How did they do all this with the creatures and the robots and the spaceships? And yeah. Just... Oh, it just uh, blew me away. But but what really stuck to me, what has stuck to me was there was something on CBS uh, a few months later. It was called The Making of Star Wars, The World of Star Wars. And they, there's this segment about George Lucas. And he talks about how he came up with the idea of Star Wars and how he wrote and he created this, this universe of characters and names and weapons, and spaceships and the, you know, the, the empire, the rebels, the, the planets and things like that. It was just, you know, being the ability of a writer to create this universe of pretend, and, you know, something that didn't exist in real life, but, you know, he could also use, as I, as I grew older <laughs> and learned more, you know, there's a lot of themes like, you know, things from history that can be used or mythology uh, mm-hmm. as well that, that that took part in that as well. And that, that's like, man, I want to do something like that. I want to create uh, some type of universe of characters and have them, you know, do things like that. Yeah. It, and I, I, I wasn't uh, born during this time period, so I can't speak. But based off every story I've ever heard, just seeing this trilogy in theaters this was like the this was game changing like effects for the time you know mm-hmm. this this was game changing writing and everybody was excited about it and it, it, it's really like nostalgic because uh now we have some star wars movies that aren't that great in my opinion they're all right <laughs> and everybody's just kind of another like, episode right there right yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole other episode uh <laughs> but to go back every it's just i wish i could have felt that excitement yeah. And seen these things for the first time, you know, I've, I've seen the original like uncut, unedited ones, but it's just not the same. I feel like I was a little robbed of the experience. I should have been born earlier. How could your parents? <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe maybe it's the time 
you know, yeah. you know, my parents are separated. I'm, I've, I, I had, will will have attended three different schools for fifth grade. And mm-hmm. it was just, Oh, wow. You know, Luke gets picked to fight the evil empire and they win and they're good yeah. guys win. So it's kind of this walking out of the theater. I'm, I'm two inches taller. It, it, yeah, it, the world the world's not that bad, <laughs> right? You yeah. had a you had a character that's you can almost relate to, right? Like Luke yes. is a lot of people, and that's that's what's amazing about um, something we we hang on to is we find a relatable character in it, and and that's what I love about you know something that's nostalgic like that, or not nostalgic, just a movie, a game, or or something that you can relate to. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely very relatable. And then when Disney Plus uh, debuted, at, uh, I want to say a year ago, I sat, I sat down in the, ha- in the house. I've got the, the, the sound bar. And it was just kind of like, okay, let's turn out the lights. Let's turn out the lights. Let's <laughs> have some popcorn and let's try to recreate that feeling uh-huh. from 1977. Yeah, get to watch it again. So. so with that, do you have your own uh, kids of your own? I, yeah, I have a daughter. Yeah, she's okay. in she's in her late twenties, and uh, definitely she gets some of the uh, appreciation of like you know superheroes and, and sci fi <laughs> things from me. Uh, we 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 tend to be the the duo that goes to the comic cons or mega cons and stuff like <laughs> that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we went to this one sci fi one. They had uh, a lot of Doctor Who related oh. stuff, and we they someone had a mock up of the TARDIS. We were taking a that that is amazing yeah that my my next question was going to be did you make her come over to your house and sit down with you and say all right we're going to watch this as a family we're going (laughs) to we're going to experience this as a family well it didn't have didn't have to go far you know with covid and everything right yeah she moved back in so well there you go Um, see yeah (laughs) yeah you know as as tragic as it was you know i i do hear cases such as yours where it brings families back together it did it did and getting to spend that time, you know, that must have been beautiful for you. It was. It has been. And it, it definitely has brought us closer together. That's good. I, 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 I'm really glad to hear some positivity from that. That, that really, oh, yeah. you know, uh, was there any other science fiction influences that have made an impact on oh, your life? Wow. And then around that same time, the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Battlestar. Yep. Uh, and that was almost that was almost the the start and end of a of a writing career i'm in middle school and me and this other guy had this idea we want to do like a battlestar galactica slash star wars mishmash mm-hmm. I, I would write he would draw and i think we made it through one we were working on like, like a language arts reading class and we would have this time where we could read or do whatever we wanted <laughs> and so i would write the script in longhand and he'd do the drawing like 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 he was the next Stanley or something. Yeah. Middle, middle school prodigies. Then we had what are you know, like your artistic differences? I think you should draw this. No, I think you should write this. So we just okay, we're we're gonna be friends, but we can't we can't work together. <laughs> we're disbanding <laughs> the company. That, the, the colonial viper. I used to love to draw the colonial viper. I could draw that. I think I still can. I had some <laughs> paper and a pencil. That's that's good. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, that, that's really that's really funny because like uh, 
I've never had a situation where like uh, I, I've I've wanted to like base something off of you know like science fiction or uh, as a kid uh, like starting to write things with a friend you know I've I've never had that personally just because uh, I don't like people sometimes so I don't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of friends uh, but you know like it, that's really like inspiring to see that at such a young age that this re- that touched you so deeply yeah yeah. It was just the the whole, you know, the writing, you know, learning about character, you know, more than just good guys and bad guys, you know, uh, you know, supporting actors, the arc of a story. That was another thing. Uh, I had had an amazing language arts teacher in middle school. He talked about, you know, you have your your beginning, then you have your conflict, then you have your resolution. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that 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 still stuck with me. And I think I think it helped me. You know, as as I as I read books, uh, you know, uh, try to find out okay, who are the characters here? What are motivations and things like that? Yeah, yeah, that's really good that you, you know, you've taken these lessons from that long too. You know, that because like it, uh, what they what they say about school, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, good. It takes it takes what like was it a village to teach a kid or whatever? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that, so some of these lessons really like for for people that it's they're born for this, you know, that, that those lessons will stick with you forever. Oh, absolutely. They're in the same language arts teacher, uh, Mrs. Manson, uh, at the end of the year, my eighth grade year, she handed out these awards. I still have it. There's this construction paper award, uh, best future screenwriter award. I still have it in an album. That's awesome. That, uh, that's that's going with me to the grave, man. Yeah. I, <laughs> not, I'm so not getting great. rid of that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Seth, do you have another question or do you want me to ask one of mine? I got so uh, many. Go ahead and yeah, you have a ton of questions. I'm going to let you get through yours. Okay. Um, so this is a little bit about your, this is current, you know, this is about yeah. you personally. Um, yeah. What environment do you like to put yourself in when you're writing your work? You know, do you like to travel 16 hours to the most beautiful waterfall? Do you just like to sit in your home office? You know, like where do you do your best writing? Well, have to have to use the most recent experience with COVID. Yeah, with COVID, you you mm-hmm. were kind of stuck at home. So, yeah. uh, you know, having have being fortunate to have a, a home office, it was a kind of a converted guest room. And then when my wife and I started working from home, the two of us shared it. But then um, she was able to uh, get a space near near the bedroom, like a sitting room. So this ended up being uh, man cave slash Glenn's office. <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, just to, to be in here and to have maybe music from that era playing. So, you know, a lot of 1940s, a lot of big band. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, I put together a Spotify playlist of some of the music because you know, there's like music from movies like Chinatown mm-hmm. uh, music uh, from there. There's this not to try to give anything, but there's a real exciting part toward the end. And there's always this uh, one song from the movie, The Untouchables, where Elliot Ness is chasing that guy in the white suit across the rooftops. And there's that, and I just, it's stuck in my mind. I, I'm typing it up. I'm writing this chase scene. And I found it. So I put together like a Spotify playlist. So if you guys want to read it while you're listening to the music, but there's also music from the 40s that also 
just kind of fit that era. So that kind of gets me in the mood and, you know, to, you know, to write, you know, to make notes, make my outlines, be able to do my research. Everything's here. I can, you know, just go, go down the hall, get a cup of coffee or tea and I'm good to go. That's, that's great. So you'll, you'll play the music in the background to get into that era, like to get into character, so to speak. And, you know, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes the movies, you know, there's a, uh, there is a group of mo- a series of movies called the Bowery Boys. I don't know if you ever heard these guys, but they, this one guy named Slip, he would have these malapropisms, the way he would torture the English language. I mean, you know, the kind of, they would you know, talk, you know, you kind of had Bronx accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you had that, like, that, that so, New York, New, yeah, New, Jersey, New, York, New Jersey type yeah. thing. So yeah, that would kind of filter in as well. But yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so getting into the, this forties, you know, you got this music playing in the background, you know, you're, you're getting into, not into character, but into this time period. What may, what inspired your choosing of the forties for the time period of your novel? Is it just the history? Was it the music? I mean, yeah. Well, we'll start with the history first, you know, late forties, you know, it's post-World War II. America is now the lone superpower, but you see, you see the beginnings of the, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, it's an ele- that's an election year, uh, and you know that was the one everybody thought Truman was toast. Everybody thought Dewey was going to whip him, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Truman ends up winning the race. Yeah, that's that famous photo: Truman smiling, holding up the. The, I think it was a Chicago newspaper. It says Dewey defeats Truman. They had it wrong. <laughs> the later results had, had Truman, Truman coming back and winning. Um, it's also that time of the, the rise of television. This is something I talk about. Radio had been king for a long time. You know, if you're going to you listen to a ball game, you listen to it on the radio, or you're going to listen to the news, you listen to radio shows, music. But television is now becoming a thing. And that's something I, I, I explore uh, this league. It's a fictional league. It's not a real league, but it's competing with the NFL. And the one way they, they the commissioner and the league owners are, are, are thinking that they can get, you know, at least even with the NFL, so we've got to have our own television content. So uh, how television could change the landscape and how – uh, baseball was was a big thing back then. It, it, looking through some of the New York Times uh, archives, uh, if you wanted to find out things about football, you had to dig real deep in the paper. If you wanted to know how the Yankees did, you just turned to page one of the sports page. But if you wanted to find out about the New York Giants or the <laughs> or other football teams, you really had to dig. So that was one thing that, that surprised me how how football wasn't the big sport that. And yeah. it's the strategy that run first, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust players played both offense and defense. Um, so that, that was kind of what, what attracted me to it was that, that time period of America's come back from the war, cold war and, you know, society starting to change and, and, and the sport, how we, how we consume, how we listen to, or now view sports is, is undergoing a change. That's really impressive. Uh, I mean, uh, I, there's so many things that you could have chose from that, and it comes to the end of uh, 
comes to the end of the forties, you know, that's such a great time period uh, because there's just so much you can do with it. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what all is going to go, what all is going to go on what's all just going to happen here. Uh, you know, it's just, there's, yeah. there's so much that could have been done with this specific time period and a lot of other novels and it was just wasted. And I, I think that you, you took advantage of that. I, you know, well, I think, you. I think it's really interesting. Uh, and you're right. Like for that time period, you see, you know, the NFL football being a, such a huge, huge sport now, but why wasn't it then? Right. Like baseball was, was the sport that people well, wanted I, to see. And I think a lot of that Skylar had to do with the, the this idea players paying playing for pay mm. you know, college football well, that was the, the the ideal that that real you know gentlemen or, or, or athletes should uh, apply for that you know, playing for money that just seemed uh unprofessional <laughs> and in a, the nfl had some starts and stops you know there a lot of teams who started who didn't finish you had teams that were always in financial trouble and it really wasn't until in the 60s, Pete Rozelle, who was the commissioner then, said, look, we're going to kind of have to have some type of a socialist system. OK, TV contract with CBS, we're going to split it amongst all the teams. It can't just be, well, New York and Washington have their own TV contracts. It's going to be this is going to be the NFL's TV contract. And we're going to split it however many ways, however many teams are in the the league. So it didn't take until the 60s for somebody like, you know, Roselle to figure that out. And also how you acquired players that could be hit or miss. There was another earlier commissioner named Burt Bell who came up with the draft system. If you finish last, you get to pick the best college players. <laughs> you know, they'll make your team better and scheduling. Uh, try to, you know, try to schedule it to where you're not playing the best team first week out of the season and you're guaranteed at least being 0-1, maybe play somebody who kind of around the same record as you last year. So you get a decent shot of being 1-0, being a, you have a winning record after the first. <laughs> so little, little things like that, that you know, would take time, you know, to, to, to germinate uh, in football. Yeah. 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 So football, I mean, it, as as a, as American as it is right now, uh, people have to realize that it's, it's. I mean, it's not new, but it certainly hasn't been around as long as other sports. And for the for the reach to get mm-hmm. that far is it, it takes some time. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We got. Uh, I got one more here, but it, it, we need to kind of wrap back into it because uh, it's a <laughs> uh, it, it it's more about the book. Uh, yeah. So if you had what what is what what is the word here I'm trying to look for if what what genre or theme or like overall feel were you trying to go for with this book you know cuz uh, you you love science fiction we've heard a lot about that yeah. but it's not necessarily science fiction you know is this like a murder mystery is this an action Yeah yeah this is definitely murder mystery this is kind of like uh, like a film noir uh, right. you know like the Humphrey Bogart or the uh, Raymond Chandler mm-hmm. uh, novels, uh, something like you see on TCM, you know, on a, on a Sunday afternoon or something. Uh, all I, all I have that. in my mind is like Dick Tracy. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Of, of you know, these guys in suits and hats, you know, um, smoking cigarettes. And <laughs> <laughs> smoking cigarettes, cigars, mercy, you know. Calling women dames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Rods, you know. laughs> Were they the zoot suits? They were in zoot suits and zoot suits, you know, and uh, you <laughs> which know, is to go to a payphone to make a call. <laughs> but uh, like, that time period is so amazing. And so having that within the book just brings you into it even more, I think. Yeah. 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 There's a lot you can do to describe this time period and you don't have to say the date and people can kind of pinpoint it just based off the way you can describe <laughs> it. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm already working on a sequel that oh. takes place in the fifties and I, I selected for the sequel 1957 and the opening scene is Maxwell's walking through a train station and people are looking up in the sky and he's like, why are these people looking? Like, he passes the newsstand and the headlines are screaming about Sputnik. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of how I start this this next one. So I'm already I'm already starting on an, on a, on one for the 1950s. That's great. That's awesome. You know, the 50s. Oh, at what point did you switch from such a science fiction lover and insp- inspired to write science fiction to go into spy thrillers and mysteries? Oh, I, I blame James Bond. I because I, yeah, I had the <laughs> movies. But then if you've ever sat down and read an Ian Fleming uh, or, you know, the guy who took it on after Fleming's death, James Gardner, uh, you know, Bond, I, I think Daniel Craig really epitomizes the, the novel James Bond, the, the way Ian Fleming saw it. You're kind of this cold hearted, just, you know, I don't give a crap, you know you know, warrior or spy, get the job yeah. done, you know, and then have a drink. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I started reading the, uh, the novels in high school and it was just this, oh my gosh, you know, the torture, the things they would try to do to the bond and you know, just really, you know. and then of course it was a geography lesson, all the, all these places he would go and all the different types of, uh, gambling the games, you know, the cars and everything. So became more interested in, uh, I, I was thinking about, okay, maybe I could do an American version of James Bond. And so I toyed around with that for years. It got nowhere. Um, and then once graduated from college, you know, got married, started family, got into teaching. And it was kind of like, I know I want to write a book. I just, I don't know what I want to write it on. Um, so different, different genres would jump around. And, and finally it was just, you know, going back to the things that you like, you know, I love football. Uh, I had thought about, um, kind of like a fictional, where it was like a family and you follow them through the different years of the, the rise of, you know, the rise of a league or a team. But then I thought, you know, a mystery would be cool, you know, of, of, you know, somebody gets murdered and you got to solve the murder and there's football going on in the background. It, you know, so maybe it, that would be cool. Yeah. Kind of a murder mystery. So, yeah. Yeah. So it seems like, uh, you had a pretty long and drawn out switch, you know, I uh, did. <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to no. find, you got to find what piques your interest, the audience's interest and you know, what makes you happy to write mainly. Yeah. 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 It looks like you found it. Uh, I burned through a lot of my questions and I feel like I've been asking quite a bit. Uh, said Skylar, um, do you have? Yeah. So my question is, and I'm sure this is a question that is a pretty generic question, but um, when writing, did you get writer's block 
and how did you if you did how did you um unblock yourself several times oh <laughs> that's, my god that's a good question that's a really good question that is a great it, there were several times and it's it's almost paralyzing it it is oh gosh i have come to a complete halt or i i have come to a part where i've boxed myself in i can't get out and i have found the the best way is just back away <laughs> don't look at anything related to it either you you know you know go out you know uh, step back and take a breather step back play the guitar <laughs> you listen to some music or something and then what i found out every time so okay um i can go back and fix this you know i'm still writing this so maybe this scene doesn't work here but the the dialogue could but in a different setting yeah you know, so you start you kind of start tumbling the the levers there's okay okay so and you start moving pieces around it heads okay all right this this could work or you know having a sounding board like my wife or my daughter say okay what do you think okay you're in this situation what would you do <laughs> you know kind of mm. kind of get some advice from them but yeah it's it writer's block is real and it can be like i said just mentally paralyzing <laughs> it's just but you just you just take a step back i've had it go for like a week or so and just finally okay fresh set of eyes. Let's take a look at it and see, see what I can do. And I I imagine, you know, when you have the writer's block, you feel like you're like, your creativity is gone, right? Like you're blocked and you're like, it's gone. I don't have it anymore. That's it. (laughs) And you just, you know, we mentioned with with this new one I'm writing, I've, I've written three different opening chapters for this book. I'm finally on my fourth one. I think, I think it's clicking now, (laughs) but I had, (laughs) I had three different ways I wanted to start the book. And I, I, not trash them. I've, I've kind of put them in another folder on the computer and say, okay, I no, it's not going to work. No, 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 no. <laughs> Toss it out, burn it. We need, so we need something yeah, better. Just, we can okay, do better. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I can pluck something from the carcass later, but that, that, that ain't going to fly. So we're going to try something else. How long do you usually spend in a writing session? Like uh, whenever you get into it, you know, do you, is it just a few hours? Uh, is it a few hours a day, week, month, you know? Yeah, I, I try to do a couple hours a day. And sometimes I find late mornings work great for me. Uh, with, you know, with my job, my afternoons are usually, my afternoons, early evenings are pretty full because I, I work in a distance learning of course. Uh, type situation. So usually the, the, the students, you know, they're either out of school or they're up now because of the summer. <laughs> they're up in the afternoon. So that's what I, so, you know, you know, early morning, you know, do some grading and, to some emails and then usually that that sweet spot 9 8 9 a.m to about noon is can be oh okay i can knock out a couple pages here or i can at least get through this scene or, or, or kind of figure out my mind okay these two people are talking what's going to be the end result of this conversation or do a little research you, you know so and i mean that makes that makes total sense usually i mean and then i don't you know it, it, i think that it's scientifically proven i can't remember but like you know in the morning for for a human is like when their our brains are more most active, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. wake up and we can do something because we're not we're not constantly thinking about all the other things that's happening throughout the day at that moment. Right. Uh, like I said, you know, some people, you know, uh, you know, different times of day, but just to have that block of time, 
where I could just, this is all I'm going to, to think about. And then when that time's up, okay, close, close the book, close the file on the computer. We're <laughs> moving on to the next thing. So the, yeah, the, the morning time really is like uh, my, my best inspiration comes from when I first wake up. Cause you know, like the sun comes through the window, eyes slowly open and <laughs> I feel like I'm going to do it. Have a great day today. I'm going to go work out. 8 o'clock p.m. rolls by. I'm laying on the couch. Yeah, I'm not doing nothing. Right. Yeah, it's kind of, oh, man, where did the day go? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I could totally see the, the morning being the best time for you to create your work. That 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 I can visualize that. That's great. So um, I have a few more questions, and then we, okay. can, we can wrap it up. But, um, All right. When, when creating, when you started creating the characters um, and, and the book itself, did you use a character board or you know, a, a chapter board, just, just, you know, throwing ideas up on the board, um, anything like that. Well, one, one thing I did as far as characters, I, I try to, you know, when I'm creating a character you know, the name, their background, you know, in my mind who, who I think they would look like, or, you know, kind of have a, a vision in my mind who they look like. So I, I do that. And then as far as the, the other part, the other thing I got from George Lucas, I meant to mention this earlier, was the use of the storyboard. Um, I, I loved how they did storyboards. I have seen that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, George Lucas and his storyboards. I've seen that quite a bit, actually. So on this one wall in my office, I've got you know three by five cards. So it's, uh, you know, Maxwell investigates warehouse. Uh, Maxwell gets roughed up by these mafia goods, <laughs> you know, just kind of, you know, just kind of pepper along, you know, and then I and use different colors for different things, you know, whatever organizing system. But I, I do that to kind of help me with the, the organization of it when I'm planning it. And then, like I said, if there's certain little plot links that don't work, I say, okay, let me take that card out. I'll put it over here in a stack and maybe I can use it later. Or maybe maybe if I'm doing this is too soon. Maybe I need to wait a little bit. Let this kind of cook a little bit. Let kind of lead the reader on a little bit more. Give them a few more, few more little, little little crumbs here, <laughs> and then then land it on them. So. Right, You're right, yeah. Sounds like you got a pretty good process uh, for your, creating your novels. You know, it, it sounds. And I don't know if foolproof's the word. I don't think there's ever been a foolproof, but it sounds like you've got such a good healthy process to get uh, your stuff done well thank you so um with uh, real quick the storyboards are interesting because storyboards are actually used within businesses now um like my what i do for work we actually use uh, user stories so we have a storyboard so we can create user stories for the product so it's quite it's quite interesting right like to think mm -hmm. about it that way oh yeah yeah so story storyboards are amazing um, oh they sure are they sure are. And like like, you know, I saw Lucas and them use it. And then they did it for Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I was just, wow, that's so cool. It looks like it creates a good, strong foundation for the plot. In yes. my opinion. Yeah. Yes. So you, you don't, you don't like backtrack over anything. Right. It's, it's kind of like also helps you to say, okay, did I, did I mention this? Or it's, there's a key, key phrase, you know, uh, this person says something that may, you know, later on, Max will remember it all or it'll trigger something in his mind. Hey, I need to go back and check right. on this or something. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Man. It, it totally makes sense. And I mean, you know more about it than me and it, and 
learning. I mean, I've, I've learned something today. You know, <laughs> storyboards can be used for uh, bringing stuff back to other characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I have two more, and then we'll wrap this up, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, two more. One question I have is, do you write the chapters, you know, as they go? Like, you do chapter one, chapter two, or are you just kind of all over the place? Like, maybe you go write the end first. Because I know that I like, um, you know, I, I like to write. I haven't wrote a book or anything. But like when I do write, I notice that like, uh, I'll I'll be like, oh, well, this is like the end part. So I'm going to go write that because it's in my mind fresh now. Mm-hmm. Um, I start with an outline, okay. you know, kind of a general idea. And then I, I do an outline. Uh, but I, I go chapter by chapter. Um, and well, the great thing, the great thing about, you know, using like a, like a word doc or something, you can always go back and, you know, edit or add on to and things like that. But I always try to go chapter by chapter and with the, with the, with the football going on in the background, as you, as you, as I'm playing it on the computer, you know, sometimes how the game goes or the season goes can, can change something I wanted to do. There, there's a, a part in the book where um, Maxwell has to deal with one of these un, uh, underworld crime bosses. So the New York team that I have is not doing as well. Originally, I thought, okay, the New York team would be doing well. So he he's betting money for them to, to go all the way to win the championship. But they're not doing well. So I changed it to where he, he's trying to get money back. He's lost some money. And he's trying to get money back. So, so the, sometimes the way the games were, were, were playing out, I, I made some little tweaks. Uh, nothing major, but just kind of little, little tweaks in the story. Which, which is interesting because you actually answered some of that, that question that I was oh, going to okay. ask. Which okay. is perfect. Like, you know, how, how, that, how that coincided or, you know, it coexisted yeah. together and how it worked. So it's actually interesting that you went in and like, okay, well, now i got to tweak this because this happened over here in, in, the, in football. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in, tr- you know, this guy's in trouble with the, the bookie and now, now, now the bookie's after him. So it's like, you know, kind of add those little things in there. Interesting. Um, uh, I have a quick side question. Sure. Uh, do you use uh, historical? Uh, what's the historical uh, stats of old? Like, do you use like the actual um, teams and the results from the games, or do you just uh, use fictional teams, fictional players, fictional? Well, it'd results? be in my. It'd be my first time out. I wanted. I didn't want to get. I didn't know what the rules were with the NFL, and, and so I wanted to be right. careful. So I just. I made up fictitious names. Gotcha. Like you have the, the Los Angeles Americans or the Chicago Defenders or something like that. So I may have, my, but they, they are real players. They were players that had played in 1948, like wow. Sammy Baugh, uh, uh, Mel Kuttner was was another one. <laughs> I always saw caught like eight passes in a game, which was unusual. Wow. But I, I did fantasy draft. I, I sent them all over the place, and. Um, but they would play. They would play their games. We would play them out on the computer, and then what, what I try to do is, you know, near the end of a week or end of a chapter, I do a recap. Either you know, there was a, a radio announcer in the '40s and '50s named Harry Wismer. In fact, just kind of, you know, Cliff Clavin, you know, <laughs> knowledge here. Harry Wismer was the first owner of a team called the New York Titans in the AFL. They would later be sold to Sonny Worblem and become the New York Jets. So. Wismer was the was the first owner of, of the New York team. 
But yeah. for a long time, he was a radio sports announcer. So, so what I would do is sometimes have him come in and make a cameo. Hello, sports fans. Harry Wismer here to give you an update on AFA action from this past Sunday. Or I invented this sports columnist, and you can read his column at the end of the week. His name was Thurston Gold, kind of a play on uh, first and goal uh, mm-hmm. for a fictitious newspaper. And he would, all right, and the gridiron, you know, you are clobbering Chicago, but you, you Chicago scalping the Blackhawks, <laughs> you, you just kind of, you know, that rep repartee verbiage they would use. Right. Uh, yeah. So it kind of came, so you're following the season as it goes along. And, you know, I, I take it all the way up to the championship game. So there's a championship game. You kind of see who, who wins the league championship. I use a fictitious league, uh, but with real players. Okay, cool. Yeah. That, that's really awesome. That, that is super awesome. I love that. That's how you, you actually did the football um, within the, the book. Uh, I think it, it's an it amazing feels a little, aspect. Uh, it feels a little bit more special to me now that I know how much work you put into that, like outside of writing, you know, like you, you had these games. Yeah, so you got to play the games, you got to do the write-ups, and then, okay, I got I to squeeze this into the right place in the book. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and then sometimes it... I, could have, I could have the main character at a game. Like when, you know, chapter one, it's opening, hey, Maxwell is working for the Knights as a secure security consultant. He's a private eye slash security. He's there at the game. So you get to, he gets to see the game or there might be another scene where he's in a car or he's listening to it on the radio or, or, or something like that. So. Yeah. It, it really gives like an extra layer of sentimental value. Uh, yeah. Because now, now I know how much work you put into that. You know, I pay attention to the stats a lot more in the game, you know? Yeah. And I, I have like, I have the like the, each week who who's leading in the standings, you know, what team's doing, what, which team stinks, you know, which team still has a chance at making it to the, the championship. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing aspect of the book. So I know that's something when I read it is I'm going to appreciate that more too. Um, so I do have one more question. And okay. the question is, um, I know that this can be an issue for people that are you know writing about murders. Um, yeah. Uh, Googling things like, so when you picked how the person or, you know, how a murder occurred did you google this and were you like oh no i'm gonna end up on a list because of how i just googled this <laughs> well um i avoided that so far and i kind of kept it um as far as you know like like there's one victim i'm so sorry hold on a second no worries there, there's one person who um dies of a that should stop I don't know why it's not. <laughs> you, are you guys hearing that too? No, uh, I'm not hearing anything. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. There was something in background. Bear with me. So there, was, in one scene, there is a person who dies of a, of a gunshot wound. And I kind of keep it with the, you know, okay, the body's covered with the, the, the blanket. And Maxwell makes the uh, observation, you know, Having served in war, he had seen his fair share of, you know, people, you know, with gunshot wounds, but never get over the fact of, of someone with part of their head missing. So that's, that's kind of the way I, I, I left it. So I didn't, didn't go into too many, too many of the gory details, but, but it, it, I kind of did the same thing with the, with a love scene. 
you know, I was kind of like, okay, people like my daughter and my mom are going to be, <laughs> so I don't want it to be, you know, the, uh, like the romantic, the romance novels, but I also don't want it to be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I just kind of, I'll kind of leave it to the readers, uh, what you pick up. I just kind of, okay, this, it's obvious they've, you know, <laughs> they've been together. So. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that is time. But before we end, um, where can we uh, have the readers or where can the reader or the listeners purchase um, the Red Zone Murders? Thank you. Uh, so uh, the book is currently available in ebook form on Amazon. So if you just go into the Amazon section and it's uh, the Red Zone Murders and it's under a Kindle edition and um, um and I think I have the I'll have the link you guys will have the link for me to uh yeah we will okay. we'll provide the link for everybody oh, okay um, so it'll be in the link but it's called the red zone murders and it's in an ebook format so you can get it on Kindle awesome cool. and is is there anything else you want to promote do you have a website also or... I, I do have a a website uh it's uh wordpress.com forward slash home forward slash Glenn Walker books uh, this is kind of where I kind of keep people updated on what's going on uh, as I'm beginning the next book, uh, the 1950s, and um, and I'll be promoting my appearance here on the Inner Nerd, so <laughs> so that'll be, that'll be on there as well. So and so if you want to sign, if you can sign up there to kind of get you know like a newsletter or you know get updates on on what's going on. So yeah, absolutely. I, I encourage everybody to because this book sounds amazing and then having a, a sequel is even better, I believe. So, all right. Well, we really appreciate you coming on today. Um, it's been a blast. I've had a lot of fun hearing about your uh, your book, the, the Red Zone Murders, It's and how you were inspired and everything behind it. Skylar and Keiston, thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Of course. It was great. All right. Thank you.